0: You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. We are in a series called Core Values. Can you say core values? And so core values are values that we carry as a local church. And we, we believe, first and foremost, scripture sets all of the values that we stand on in the life of Restoration Los Angeles. So none of these are are outside of the parameters of Scripture. I want you to know this. You're also not going to see any of these posted on a wall. You're not going to see any of these posted on a website. These are values that we carry and we hold as a people, and we live out as a people of God within our local church and beyond. Can you say amen to that? So why values and not principles or laws? And we believe in the new covenant that Jesus has given us the ability not to live by the letter of the law, but by the spirit of the law, the spirit of the word of God that we stand on and we walk in grace and allow Jesus to continue to sanctify us as saints, as we become more and more like Jesus, because that is the goal. Amen. Because yes, is your goal to be like Jesus. That word Christian that we use very often is to be Christ-like. And so when you tell someone, hey, I'm a Christian, uh, in, in literal terms, you would be saying, hey, I'm like Jesus. I know that's a little scarier thing to say in today's world, uh, but that is is exactly what we're saying. So, um, last week Gavin did an amazing job. How many of you think Gavin did an awesome job? Um, Along with Jan and Jordan and Ezekiel, uh, Vanessa and I weren't here. We were up in Placerville ministering with Westside Church International and just being a part of what the Lord is doing up there and. Joseph and Emily Moore are doing an amazing job leading the church that Stephen Terry Barr used to lead. If you remember our friend Stephen Terry Barr, Joseph and Emily now lead the church. And with their eldership team, they are doing an amazing job. It was a privilege to be up there with them. Um, they are coming off the heels of a massive fire that just ran through their entire region up there. A lot of the church was displaced and they had to be evacuated. And so we kind of came in on the heels of that. But we are thankful that Jesus is doing amazing things with them. So uh, continue to pray for Westside Church International as they are in partnership with us. Um, also, probably towards the end, I'm going to ask um, Linton and Sarah to come up and give a report. They, they did another... Um, kind of scouting trip out to Huntville, Alabama where they'll be planting a church in January. So I'm going to have them come up after. So they were gone this past week too. Um, anyways, that's why I was gone. So I was watching online. Um, thank Jesus for our online stream. Um, but one of the most significant things that Gavin said was, you cannot outrun discipleship. You cannot outrun discipleship. And... I I wanted to touch on that just a bit before we get into our next value because I think that we can, as as such an educated culture, we can learn and know so much in this age. We are in the information age. At the the keystroke of your computer or, or or your electronic device, you can find out anything about anything. We have more access to knowledge and the things of God than ever before. You can, if you wanted to hear a pastor in another nation, you can hear him at the click of a button. You can download commentaries on scripture and just learn and absorb. I mean, just a tremendous amount of wisdom, which I think is an amazing thing, right? But in that, are we actually becoming more like jesus because of those things or are we out thinking our way out of being true followers of jesus because we know right how many of you like those people who know everything oh i know every every older generation kind of dislikes that about the next coming generation because why because they think they know everything right? So parents, oh, my kids think they know everything. And grandparents said that about their kids. And now, you know, my older kids, you know, say that about my younger kids. It's just, it's just the younger ones come, We think, and it's just like, man, it's annoying. Can you imagine King Jesus seated in heaven with us, these brilliant created beings who can learn and have this head knowledge of who he is, And discipleship is so much more than knowing things. Discipleship is so much more than knowledge. We we can memorize scripture. You know that there's people who memorize scripture just so they can contend with the people of God about the things that they know? The Bible also says that demons know who God is, but they do not worship Jesus. Knowing... And discipleship are two very different things, and so I pray that our endeavor to be disciples of Jesus is not a is not a pursuit of knowledge. It's a pursuit of Him. It's a pursuit of Him. It's a pursuit of who He is. It's this relationship that we are growing into. We are in this place, but this is not where God wants to leave us. How many of you believe that? Uh, tell someone that God is not done with you yet. Like, done done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. You have a long way to go. I want to read this verse before we get into our next value. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15 reads like this. This is the apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi. And he says this, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. So as an apostle of God, he is telling those he is writing to, listen, I'm not telling you this because I've perfected all of this, and I'm not telling you this because I've already have this mastered. Listen to this. But I press on. Can you say press on? I press on to to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I press on. There's a lot of Ps in this in this verse. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. It's like a haiku or something. Jeez, I press on to possess that which Je- Jesus got a hold of you for a reason. Jesus took possession of your life for a reason. And during the process of this possession, we are being perfected, listen to me, friends, in Christ Jesus. You're not being perfected on your own. You're not being perfected because you can read the Bible back and forth, left and right, although that's a good thing. You are being perfected because of who he is, right? I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Listen, verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. It's Apostle Paul saying, I haven't arrived yet, but I focus on this one thing. Can you say one thing? One thing. I love one things. I can do one thing. I talked to you um, just in the past, in a couple of weeks, about priorities And I told you a few weeks ago that that word priorities, plural, didn't exist until the 1900s because it's kind of an oxymoron. There can't be priorities if there's a priority. Just one. It's a singular priority, not priorities. There's a priority. I press on to this one thing. we say one thing again. Listen to this, friends. Forgetting the past. Forgetting the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead. I look forward to what lies ahead. And I have to preface this because the Apostle Paul wasn't just looking to the next job or to the promotion. He was looking because he had a revelation of who Christ was. As he looked ahead, this is what he saw Jesus. I look ahead. And I press on, listen, friends, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. There's a heavenly prize for us. And we need to continue to press on and press on. God does not want to leave us where we're at. We have growth to to be experienced in our lives, right? 15, let all who have spiritual mature, who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you're spiritually mature, you have to agree on these things. If you disagree, disagree on one point, I, I love his kind of sarcasm here. I believe God will make it plain to you. <laughs> so the Apostle Paul is telling the church, if you disagree with me, I'm, I'm pretty sure that God's going to convince you otherwise. But we must hold on to the progress, progress we have already made. God is about Advancement advancement in your personal life you should be closer to jesus today than you were yesterday you should be more mature in the lord today than you were yesterday this is what discipleship is about we are followers of jesus and if jesus is on a journey then we are on a journey with him where he goes we go what he says we say what he does we do this is what being a follower of jesus is and if you believe that please say amen amen our next value that we are going to cover today if you guys want to pat on your thighs like a drum roll here it is we will unroll it Um, number four this isn't four in order it's just number four that's being presented to you all of life is worship our value is this all of life is worship how we um, describe this is this god is good how many believe that god is good God is good, and so we respond to God's goodness with reverence and with praise. Opportunities for worship exist in every aspect of our lives, which include, listen, friends, work, play, study, prayer, financial giving, and service. All of life is worship. Now, to understand this, we must first understand what worship is. And so I think most people think worship is a 30-minute segment of a church service. We even we, Even the language we use, right? Like, oh, you know, there's 30 minutes of worship. Actually, as soon as you step in this place, you are in worship. But if you had a truer revelation of it before you were in this place, you were in worship. Because all of life is worship. We are created beings by a creator that we are privileged to call heavenly father and we have been created to worship the Lord. If you think about heaven and how we read what that will look like from the revelation of John in in, in the book of Revelation, it is going to be a worship fest of King Jesus. If you could just think of like Lollapalooza or maybe some of you are older, what was that, Woodstock? Take out all the carnality and sin and put Jesus center stage, 24 hours of worship. This is what heaven is gonna be like. So if you stress out about 30 minutes of our singing and praising portion of worship, you are gonna have a hard time in heaven. So D.L. Moody said this, and I've changed it a little bit, so I wanna preface it by saying I'm not this creative. But about evangelism, D.L. Moody said something like this. Like, it's clear that you don't like my way of evangelism. But I like my way of doing evangelism more than your way of not doing evangelism. (laughs) I say that about worship. You might not like our way of doing worship, but I kind of like our way of doing worship than others' way of not doing worship. Because to worship Jesus looks like something. It has to look like something. Worship, listen, friends, is not a religious ceremony because we can confine it to 30 minutes. We can confine it to a time limit, right? I'm serious. You can see people like looking at their watch like, yeah, it's good. Worship is only supposed to go 30 minutes. It was like 32 minutes. Why do they keep talking in the middle of the songs? There's a comedian. Don't don't. I won't tell you his name because I don't want you to look him up because I'll be I'll be in trouble. But there's a com- there's a comedian and, and, and he's just like, man, I, I love my kind of church because it's three songs and we're out of here. He's like, I hate going to the ethnic church because the ethnic church is like you're there all day. Like it's like people are singing and there's a step team. He's like, it's like a it's like a talent show. It is not a talent show. We are not displaying our talents. We are offering ourselves as a living instrument of worship to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Worship, listen, friends, is a relational response. It's a relational response to a holy God, to a loving God, to a brilliant creator and a loving father. This is what worship is. And that cannot be confined to 30 minutes of the music segment of our Sunday services. Worship is a lifestyle. There's a, there's a significant difference between religious worship and relational worship. I'm going to say that again. There's a significant difference between religious worship and relational worship. John chapter 4, verse 22 Um Jesus sheds a little light on this. And if you remember this story, Jesus encounters the, this, this woman who is a Samaritan. And if you know anything about the relationship between Samaritans and Jews culturally, there was issues there. There was racial tensions. There was religious tensions. And, and, and in many ways, the, the Samaritans were despised by the Jews and looked down upon and even called dogs. There was, there was serious religious, like, separation between these two people groups. And so Jesus has this encounter with this woman and and he, he begins to invite her into this relational worship understanding. So he says this to the woman, you Samaritans know very little, listen friends, about the one you worship. You know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews and Jesus was letting her know it's not a what and a where, it's a who. It's a who we worship. So you can know how to worship. You can know how to sing songs. You can know how to play a piano. You can know how to clap on beat, which some of you need to practice a lot, right? You can know how to do worship. But the question is, do you know who you worship? There's a relational connection in the who. The ESV would say this, worship, you worship what you um, do not know. You worship what you do not know. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine worshiping what you do not know? We see this um, when when the Apostle Paul was doing ministry, uh, some of his missionary work, and there was this, this city that he walked into and they worshiped an unknown God. They just worshiped this thing that they didn't know. It's amazing to think that intelligent, created beings could begin to worship something that they don't know. And what I loved about the Apostle Paul is he used that Actually, to bring Jesus' message to them, to bring the gospel. He said, let me tell you about this own unknown God. He has a name. His name is Jesus. It's Jesus. We don't worship a what or a thing. We worship Jesus. Worship is not about what. Worship is about who. Here at Restoration LA, I can't testify for every local church on the planet, but I would like to believe that every local church that says Jesus is Lord, would always make Jesus the center focus of our worship. The center focus of our worship. Not just the music portion of our service, the center focus of all of our worship. The music is important. Even the songs we sing are important. There's good Christian songs out there that I am telling you right now that we will not sing in the life of this church. Not that they're bad songs, they're great songs. You listen to the radio, I'm probably singing them because I like the songs too, but if they're not centered around Jesus, I don't want to sing them here because it's about Jesus. We can go into churches and the churches are singing about themselves. It's all about me, what Jesus did for me and me and me, and that becomes a self-centered worship. Worship is not about us. It's about him. Are you with me? You might be thinking, hey, didn't we already cover this in in our first value of of Jesus-centered? And I'm going to tell you, yes, we did. But I want to tell you this again. I want to remind you that every one of our values as a church is going to center around Jesus. And so this value of all life is worship is centered around Jesus. The value that Gavin um, shared with us last week is because our life is centered around Jesus. We are being discipled and growing to be more like Jesus. It's not about personal growth and about me and a better me and being my best self and living my best life. It's living a life for Jesus. Are you all right with that? So listen, in religion, you have two theological constructs. I'm gonna say these two words. Number one is orthodoxy. Can you say orthodoxy, right? And orthodoxy in a broken down way means this, right or correct belief. So orthodoxy is important because you have to have right and correct belief systems, right? Because if you don't have the right belief system, then how are you going to actually do the things that you believe, right? So that's what orthodoxy means. And so when you even see, like, there's the orthodox church, right? Um Eastern Orthodox, Western Orthodox. And it, it, what they're saying is, hey, we we have a theological construct that we believe is correct but through Scripture. Um, this is how you follow God, right? Or how you how you are worshipers of God. So there's orthodoxy, but then there's, there's also orthopraxy. Or sometimes the word is interchanged, so it can be P-R-A-X-I-S, so orthopraxis or orthopraxy. And what that means is not just right belief or correct belief, But listen, friends, it means this right or correct practice. So it's not just belief, it's right or correct practice of what you believe. And that word in the Greek, we see it in the New Testament. It's it's okuo. And that and that means when you be that that verse that says, Don't just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. How many of you know that verse? That word there is a kuo. That means you listen with the intent to act on what you have heard. So not only do I want to have the right belief, but I want to have the right practice of what I believe. So we're not just hearers, but we're actually doers, right? Get it done. Here we go. Um, So listen, I am going to reference Wikipedia, and I want to just preface this by saying I don't always think that Wikipedia is a great reference tool. But just for a definition, I think this, this really could help us understand the difference between orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Well, orthodoxies make use of codified beliefs, you think of this like a code, right? Categorized code of belief. Or, orthodoxy helps us categorize these codes of what we believe, right? You put this construct of beliefs in our lives so that we know what we believe, and that's a good thing. But then you form creeds. Right, and so these creeds. I mean, even even this this series that we're we're in, a a core values that can seem a bit of a creed, right? It's it's right. It's a right belief system. This is what we value. This is what we believe. So historically, the church has leaned on two historic creeds, right? And you guys can look these up. There's the Apostles' Creed, and and this is all of the, the the things that. Christians and followers of Jesus should be believing, you know, believing that Jesus is the son of God, believing in the virgin birth, believing in a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, believing in water baptism, You all like the structural belief system for Christians. So there's the Scenes Creed, there's the Apostles' Creed. You guys can go and study these things and say, hey, do, do I believe these things as a follower of Jesus? But it also has, listen, friends, ritualism, um, more narrowly centered on the strict adherence to prescribed rites and rituals. And so so orthodoxy also has a lot of things woven into it, if I can just be honest, friends, that are, are, are rituals that are abiblical. And, and what I mean by that is we don't actually see them in scripture, but we can see them practiced within the life of a church. And I'm not saying all of these are wrong. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that that's sometimes what comes with that orthodoxy is we have kind of man-made rituals that we see take place. Um, any of us who grew up, you know, within maybe the Catholic church, you know, there's practices that we experienced and we did that we don't actually see in the Bible. And so again, I'm not making a judgment. It's just a truth. Like there's things that we practice that, hey, they're not in the Bible. So maybe we can or not do them and Jesus would be okay either way. Um, you are right with that? But then we see orthopraxy. And orthopraxy, listen, friends, is focused on issues that are beyond just the right belief system. They believe that this orthodoxy penetrates the life. It penetrates our being of who we are. And that practice now focuses on issues of family cultural integrity, the transmission of traditions, sacrificial offerings, concerns of purity, and ethical systems and enforcement thereof. And so meaning that our orthodoxy is a framework that penetrates our practices and that practice penetrates every area of our life. And it's not just used on a Sunday morning when we gather with other believers. Are you with me? This practice of what we believe needs to penetrate our entire life. This worship that we practice, we are worshipers of Jesus, needs to penetrate our entire life. It's not just a 30-minute segment of our church service. If we believe that all life is worship, and I'm telling you, we believe all life is worship. I, I can't say everyone in this room believes that all life is worship, but this value that we carry that all life is worship, we have to understand it's because Jesus is the foundation of our lives. If Jesus is the foundation of our lives, if Jesus is the platform in which we stand on, there is nothing in my life that is outside of Jesus. So every compartment of my life, and, and, and Americans love to compartmentalize our lives, we like to say that, you know, that's work, that's play. You know, this is, this is my hobbies, this is my career, and then this is Jesus. We, we like to compartmentalize our lives, and I'm telling you, if Jesus is Lord and King, he cannot be compartmentalized. We cannot compartmentalize Jesus. Jesus is the foundation in which we stand. Listen, friends, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, it says this, for no one, say no one, no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have and that one we already have friends what does it say on that screen is jesus christ there's no other foundation in which we stand people have even misinterpreted the uh, the verse when jesus tells peter that he is the rock in which he will build his church it wasn't the person of Peter that he was building his church on. It was the foundation, the belief that he had in Jesus Christ that he was building his church. Jesus is building the church and he is not building it on the, on the apostle Peter. He is building it on the foundations that the father had laid. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the central theme and focus of the kingdom. Jesus is, is a central theme and focus of our worship. And if all life is worship, then Jesus is a central theme and focus of our lives. Or he should be. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24, um, Jesus said this, anyone who listens, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. So we see what orthodoxy and orthopraxy there, right? We, listening to the teaching, establishing a belief system, and doing the teaching, establishing a practice, right? Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. And he says it's like this. It's like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. <laughs> a person who is building his house on a solid rock, a person who is building on a solid foundation, Right, the NIV would say, "Anyone who hears and practices is wise." The ESV would says this: "Anyone who listens and does, if you hear it and do it, you are you are wise, and you are actually showing that your foundation is Jesus. Your foundation is Jesus. So, what is the right practice?" Of worship. If we're saying orthodoxy, what, what is the right practice of worship? And and I shared this during our worship time as we were singing. Jesus said this also to the lady who the Samaritan, he says this, for God is spirit. Can you say that with me? God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship Him. Listen, friends, in spirit and in truth. You must worship Jesus in spirit. And in truth, how many of you have ever seen someone lip sing? I mean, the, when I was growing up, there was this like there was this show called Putting on the Hits or something like that. And it was like a lip singing competition. I don't know if you guys remember. It was pretty funny, right? So, so like you know, you could tell you could tell when somebody's you could tell when somebody is like faking it, right? You could just tell when like they're just. And, and, and I just want to tell us, guys, that, that w- worship is, is not lip singing. W- I mean, lip singing is the, the unauthentic. I mean, we, we, I don't know anyone who likes a poser, right? I mean, I'm just just be honest. Like someone who's faking the funk, right? That's a, that's a street term, and you fake the funk, you know? Like, no, just don't be a poser. Just be your authentic self, just be your true self. Just worship in the way that, I mean, there's no right way to do worship. It's a heart condition, right? But the criteria is this, friends, to worship in spirit and in truth. And that word truth, we often, often see it's tied to this understanding, right, of the word, Right? Word and Spirit. This balanced walk with Jesus. And there's these, there's these theological debates about the Word and the Spirit and how the Word and the Spirit do the dance. And so many churches just lean on the Word of God and they lack the things of the Spirit of God. And then there's some churches that just only want the things of the Spirit of God because they then, they're then they're not living in the confines of the Word of God. It, listen, friends, my friend Tyron Daniel likes to say this. If you're on a plane, which wing do you prefer, the left wing or the right wing? Which one? If you could do without one, which one do you want to do without? Neither? It's the same with the word and spirit. We can't do without one or the other. The word of God was given to us and John 1 tells us that that it was manifested in the flesh. Jesus is a manifestation of God's word. And the spirit, the Spirit is so linked to God's Word, we can't even unlink the Holy Spirit from the Word. Even in Ephesians uh, um, 6, when we see the, the, um, the armor of God, it's the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You, we cannot unlink these two things. We need the Word and the Spirit. God is looking for people who will worship Him, not only in orthodoxy, but orthopraxy, not in just your belief system, but in how you live your life. Matthew 22, verse 37. We know this from the first um, um, part of this series In Jesus entered. Jesus says this, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Can you say all of your heart? All, all of your soul and all of your mind. Friends, that is worship. That is us giving ourselves relationally to our creator, giving ourselves relationally to Jesus, our savior giving ourselves, our entire selves, heart, soul, and mind, our entire being. And I want to remind us that worship is not a thing we do. Worship is something we are. It's about being worshipers. We do not do worship. We are worship. We worship Jesus with our entire being. Listen, we do not um we don't, we don't do worship. We live worship. We live worship. Um, I want to kind of do a, a, a little expanding on this word worship. The word worship in the Old Testament is, is interchangeable. Listen, friends, with three words, work, worship, and service. So that word worship is, is far more than just singing and praising during a musical portion of a service. It's it's work, it's worship, as as in adoration. The the English word, the old English word that it came from, worship, is, is giving something worth. So it's worth to, that's where that word comes from, the old English word, worship. So it's worth to, something that has worth, we give to. And so work is something that we give ourselves to. Worship, something we give ourselves to, Service, something we give ourselves to. And I want to remind us it's not something, it is someone. Jesus has all worth. Everything we do, we do it as unto the Lord. Every How we serve, we serve because we serve a, a living God, right? Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24 says this. Whatever you do, whatever you do, look at someone and say, whatever you do, listen to this, friends. Understanding that work, service, and worship, all interchangeable. Listen to this, friends. Work heartily. Or you can even say, worship heartily. As for the Lord and not for men. We do it as for the Lord and not for men. Listen, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Listen, friends, you are serving the Lord Christ. Everything you do, say everything you do. Everything you do, worship heartily. Work heartily. This is our giving ourselves to, right? And so when we when we think of this thing, all life is worship. I'm gonna read that value again for us. God is good. We respond to God's goodness with reverence and praise. Opportunities for worship exist in every aspect of our lives, which include, friends, listen, work play, study, prayer, financial giving, and service. Whatever you do, do it as unto Jesus. This is what all life of worship looks like for us as a people. Whatever you give yourself to, what is it that you give yourself to? Just put your life in compartments, even though I told you not to do that. Now, look at every one of those compartments is every one of those compartments given to Jesus? Whatever you give yourself to, do it for Jesus. What do you give yourself to as a people? What do you, in your daily life, what is it that you give yourself to? Where are you working hardest in your life? Think about that. Where is your time and your energy and your resources? Where are those things going in your life? You might say this morning, I I give myself to my career. I mean, so many of us give ourselves to to the work that we do that provides for our life, right? We give ourselves to that time, energy. I want to ask you, are you doing this as an act of worship for Jesus? Are you doing this as an act of worship to yourself? It's a hard question, friends. Because if all it is is for me to advance in my life to get the things that I want in my future and me and mine, then it's not worship. It's work, it's a career. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that that's that's what it looks like. Is it an act of worship? Listen, I give myself to, to my marriage, which is a great thing. You give yourself to a marriage, but listen, are you doing it as an act of worship to Jesus? Or are you married simply for your desires and your wants and your needs for you? I had a friend who went to marriage counseling and they they picked the most loving older couple in the life of the church, I mean, just shepherds through and through to do their marriage counseling because they're like, oh, they're just going to love us. They've been married for so long, and we want a marriage that looks like theirs, and we, we, we're going to do marriage counseling with them. And so, you know, they s- sat them down to do marriage counseling, and, and this older fatherly gentleman sits him down, and he starts like this. You're getting married because you're selfish, and you're getting married because you're selfish. You want what you want from her, and you want what you want from him, and it's not about that. We give ourselves to marriage and we're just trying to get what we want out of it. And so it's not an act of worship. It's an act for me. And and I'm, I'm preaching to myself, friends. Listen to this. We give ourselves to our children. Oh, we can worship our kids. We can worship our children. Friends, our children were never meant to be worshiped. Are we raising our kids as an act of worship to Jesus? Are we raising our children for ourselves? Think about that. You might even say, hey, I give myself to the church, and that's awesome, but are you doing it as an act of Jesus to worship, or are you doing it as an act to be recognized amongst your, your Christian peers? and promotion and whatever else that looks like in the life of the church. And I'm telling you, it's all ungodly. This thing of comparison that sneaks into the church, brothers and sisters in Christ comparing themselves to other brothers and sisters in Christ and all of that, you know, wrestling towards the front and everyone, yeah, it's it's disgusting. It's no longer an act of worship because it's about us. It's about me, my, you hear people, my call and my gifting and my ministry, my church. Think about that. It's not our church. It's not my ministry. It's not my call because it was all given to us by a loving father. It's his church. He does the calling. We're his servants. So it's his ministry. Even how we, I mean, even the verbiage we use, friends, we have to understand that in all life is worship. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. You could say, Hey, I give myself to my finances. And yes, friends, I'm touching these hot buttons on purpose because these are the things our lives revolve around. Our our lives revolve around our careers. Our lives revolve around our marriages. Our lives revolve around our finances. Our lives revolve around our kids. And I'm telling you, our life is not meant to revolve around those things. It's meant to revolve around Jesus because he is the central theme and focus of our worship. And so if all life is worship, then we have to take every compartment of our life and put it, Within the confines of who Jesus is. And it simplifies everything, friends. It simplifies everything. Think of this: Jesus or God the Father said this in Exodus chapter 21 through 2. And he says, This, I am the Lord your God. And I read it like that. I'm the Lord your God. I think many of us need to read that again. He is our God. We do his bidding. He doesn't do our bidding. Are you hearing me, friends? I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You were the one who was a slave. You were the one who was in captivity. I was the God who saved you. I'm the Lord, your God. Listen to this, friends. You must not have any other God but me. You must not have any other God but me. Anything else that is worshiped outside of God is an idol. Any other aspect of our worship that gets more attention, more effort, more time, more love is an idol. And those things have to come down. Jesus will not compete with idols. Jesus will not compete with your spouse If you're single, he's not going to compete with your boyfriend. He's not going to compete with your girlfriend. He's not going to compete with your children. Jesus is God. If all life is worship and the one we worship is Jesus, then we don't get Jesus to serve us in all of these areas of our lives. We make all of these areas of our lives serve Jesus. Are you hearing me, friends? I know you weren't ready for this one this morning. I was away for a week. But our lives can look like this. Jesus, can you fix my boyfriend? Jesus, can you fix my finances? Jesus, can you fix my job? Jesus, can you fix my marriage? There was answers to all of that before it all started because if all life is worshiped, then I wouldn't be with this, this girl if she's not a worshiper of Jesus. I wouldn't be in this job if it takes me away from Jesus. I wouldn't be doing these things with my finances if they take me away from Jesus. It's all prescribed in our orthodoxy. The, the, the trick is, how are we practicing it? My kids don't want to come to church. There's a a biblical answer for that. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. If you live in my house, you'll be in church. If you're not going to come to church, then you're not going to live in my house. Now I'm not going to say that to a two-year-old, but and you say, man, that's that's cold. Like that. I mean, no, 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 it's not cold. Jesus makes us promises that if we lead our children, raise our children in the things of the Lord, when they get older, they won't depart. But if we don't set that standard and we give them options, the flesh will always not choose Jesus. I'm telling you that. As for me and my household, we will serve. There's an answer for that. There's an answer for our finances. Oh, my, my, my finances. Listen, just ask yourself about your finances. Do your finances worship Jesus? Do your finances look like they worship Jesus? The Bible has a prescribed method for that. He's like, oh, he's going to talk about money. I'm going to touch on it, friends. These are the things our lives revolve around. Do, do you worship money or do you worship Jesus? Here's what worshiping money looks like. You're always constantly pulling your hair out about money. Money is taking up your time, your energy. It is draining your relationships. I mean, you are in debt above your, and I'm, I've been in these places, friends. I've been in these places where you can't even breathe because your finances are not in order. And Jesus gives us a remedy for that. You put me first and everything else will fall in line. You put Jesus first, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. It's a priority system. I'm, I'm gonna show you a little demonstration. I'm gonna I gotta end. I don't know how this is gonna work, but we're gonna try it. Uh, I need a boom, Brett help me make these cool things. So you go. your life starts like this, right? This is you. Okay? And then you, you might have this no. right here? Alright, here we go. So then we add someone we add someone to our life, right? I don't know how this. Goes. So so now it's me and my wife. So right? So now I have two of us. So now I'm juggling myself, my own life, and then I'm juggling me and my wife. Here we go. So then we have kids, and I have six of them, so I need six balls. I'll just use one for now. So now there's, right? So now it's it's, it's me, it's my wife, it's my kids, and I'm trying to juggle all of this, right? And it's I can manage. It's kind of, it's getting okay. I can do it. And we got this career thing that we want to do, like these passions we have and areas that we're able to provide for our families and put food on the table and and buy a nice house and a vehicle to get us around this crazy city whatever here we go so, right, so I just add this to this right so then oh man I'm, i want to be a follower of jesus so i got ministry now right so now i got ministry and so I, now I'm, I'm doing all this ministry for jesus and i got all these balls right that i'm carrying in our life looks like this and what we're trying to do i'm not even going to try it, but we're trying to juggle all of this we are trying to juggle every one of these things, and we're trying to do our family, and we're trying to do you know, the boyfriend-girlfriend thing, and we're trying, right? And, and some of these things Jesus doesn't get access to because they're own little spheres, and these are literally spheres, so that's, that's kind of um, smart, so you guys should be like, oh, that was good, right? right? These are our spheres of our life, right? All of these things that we do, we're trying to juggle. I'm not going to try to juggle them. We're trying to juggle them, and, and it's impossible. It's impossible for us to juggle all of these things but what would be possible and let me just show you this demonstration friends is if we took these lives of ours that God has given us and we stop compartmentalizing them i'm just going to do this fast we stop compartmentalizing them and we begin to realize every area of my life is an act of worship to Jesus. Oh, I missed one. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I missed one. Every, those are very close. Every area of my life is an act of worship to Jesus. Oh. Lord. Listen, friends. Thanks, buddy. This is what it looks like to be, listen, bread did purple for royal King Jesus. This is what it looks like to be in Christ. In Christ. There is no compartment of my life that is not in Christ. Christ, this is what all life of worship looks like. And so I'm no longer trying to juggle a thousand balls of my life. All of my life fit into one capsule that is Jesus. And it makes things so much more simple. It simplifies your life. There's no longer, you no longer have divided worship. Everything worship is, worships Jesus and it's all in Jesus. Guess what? My finances, they're in there. My relationship is in there. My marriage is in there, my career, is in there. The ministry that Jesus has called me to, it's in there. It's all in Christ Jesus. I'm not separating the things. So my allegiances aren't divided. And so when it comes to my marriage, it's like, Vanessa, this, this marriage is going to worship Jesus. There's no other option. And she says the same to me, probably more than I say to her. We tell our kids, this, this family is going to worship Jesus. There's no options. We've had to take control of our finances by using the principle that Jesus has given us. And yes, the tithe is a principle of Jesus and a value that we value in the, in the life of our church, but especially me as an as as individual, as a servant of God. Tithing is not, is not, a, not a, an option for those who say yes to Jesus. Let me just say this about our finances 10% that, that we believe is biblically prescribed to give to the Lord. We think, well, Jesus only asked for 10, not if Jesus is Lord. Not if Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord, 100% of my finances are in here. Jesus gets control of 100% of my finances. What does that look like? Go check out your bank statements and see where you spend your money. See where you spend, itemize your bank statement and say, does this, does 100% of my finances worship Jesus? Or do I just give the tithe and think like, well, I gave Jesus his little token. I get to do with the rest because it's mine. Not if he's Lord. And not if we worship him with all of our being. I mean, you just think about America, friends. We are the most consumeristic nation on the planet. We are wasteful. Think about our finances. If we would just simplify it and say, you know what, Jesus, you have complete access to all of my finances. All of my finances will bend a knee to you. Where I put my money needs to worship you. I know I'm, that's it. I'm done. All life is worship. My question for you, for us this morning, is it? Is it? It can be. It can be. When we choose to be in Christ Jesus and make him the central theme and focus of who we are, all life can be worship. And I'm not saying you have to go quit your job. I'm not saying you have to go you know, you're not getting divorced. I'll tell you that right now. If you're dating, you might need to rethink that if it's not in Jesus. Your finances, if Jesus doesn't have access to all of them, you might need to take a a, 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 a spiritual financial counseling class. Jesus, what do you want me to do with my money? We already took the offering. Don't get nervous, so I'm not doing another one. You guys are okay. Our kids, friends, There could be no options. All life is worship. Jesus is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Will you be that kind of worshiper? Would you guys mind standing with me this morning? Jesus, we love you. Lord, I pray that everyone in this place wasn't hearing harsh words of condemnation, but by your spirit was listening to words of encouragement that would bring them into deeper, loving worship of you, the one true God. We want to build our lives on the foundation of the rock, which is you, Jesus. We don't want there to be any area of our life that you do not have control over. Not just access to or not just not just sprinkled upon. You will be the foundation of every area. Lord, I pray for those of us who have lacked trust that we will begin to trust you. Those of us who have lacked faith that we will begin to believe the things that we we cannot see. We'd have faith for our marriages in this way. We'd have faith for our children again in this way. We have faith for careers and, 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 and just wonderful opportunities to worship you in so many different areas while we are in existence on this planet. We are thankful for musical worship and singing and praising But Lord, I pray for a more heavenly revelation of what true worship is. My entire being was created to worship you. Every moment, every hour, every day, every breath. Lord, may I use the resources that you have given me, energy, intellect, finances, time. Lord, help us to prioritize you in all of it. We love you, Lord. Give us a greater revelation of this value. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> awesome. Hey, we are going to be eating right now. So uh, whatever you need to do to get ready and get sorted, we're going to get started in about 26 minutes. There's coffee and stuff like out there. Visitors, thank you for being with us. Let's give them a big hand again. Uh, we will. We will see you guys soon. Um, I hope to see you outside. So we're going to be eating and sharing a meal. Um, don't go. If, if you can, please stay. And let's just enjoy our day together. Amen. I'll see you guys soon.